Hey, Connection Point Church, I am so excited about this message today, and I'm excited to be back live with you because this really is a a powerful time in in history, and it's a powerful time, I think, uh, for us as a part of Connection Point Church. I want to start off just by reading a couple of the interactions that I've already seen online. Uh, And really, I think uh, Jenny Baker, she said this morning, uh, I'm struggling today. Quarantine is, is starting to get to me, and I'm feeling overwhelmed with the what ifs. And then some of you also kind of confirm that you're feeling the same way. And so this series is exactly what we need to hear. When we talk about training days, what we're keeping in mind is that this is not a time in which we can kind of just hold on and just let the world and the chaos around us uh, overwhelm us. But instead, we have to remember that there are big days ahead, that God is going to do big things in our future. And so this is a time for us to keep focused and to be prepared and to get prepared for what he is going to do and what he is doing in our life. And God is moving in our life. And so uh, I just want to remind you all that uh, we have a a study guide that you can download at connectionpoint.life. We really want you to be reading through the book of First Peter, because that's where we're going through. And each day in this, or each week in this series, Training Days, what we're doing is we're looking at a big day that's coming. And we're talking about how we can be prepared for that big day. And so the day that I want to bring to your attention uh, today comes from verse 12 in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. This is what it says. It says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, and I'm just going to read this bat pass because this is the day I want you to see, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The day of visitation. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the day of visitation, the day in which Jesus is going to meet you. Now, for some of us, we've already had this day. You had a moment in your life where you decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to follow Jesus. But what I love about 1 Peter chapter 2 is that Peter puts this verse in our minds, and what he says to us is, listen, there's a day coming for all people, and those people that you're struggling with right now, those people that may be far from God right now that you've kind of written off, maybe you see them and you just kind of roll your eyes when you see a post on Facebook or whatever, and you say to yourself, you know what, there's no hope. What Peter says is there's a vision here. There's a day in which God is going to visit them. God is going to bring his presence into their life, and they're going to glorify God. And that is such an exciting, exciting vision for us to keep in mind that God is working even in the, in the lives of those who may be far from him. And so today I want to take us on this course of how do we prepare for the day of visitation. And so I want you to just think about this idea. There are two types of people in this world, according to Peter. And I know a lot of times when we talk about binaries that it's either this or that, there are some things that that's just the way it is. You're either this or you are that. As John Williams, who's here, told me, you're either a raccoon or you are not a raccoon. And that is the truth, is that there are some things you either are or you are not. You either are pregnant or you are not pregnant. You cannot be both. You cannot be in between. Uh, You either have seen the end of The Sixth Sense and you know how the movie ends, or you do not. But you cannot kind of be in between. And there are several things. And so I want to start off with a quiz just to kind of get this on our mind of you either are this or you aren't that. And so I'm going to show some pictures. And the first one I want to show you here is a Hershey's chocolate bar. Now, there are two types of people who eat a Hershey's chocolate bar. There are the people, and we're going to call this slide A. So you can, I I want to hear which one you are. Are you A or are you B, okay? Are you A, or we'll say gray or blue, okay? Now, if you're colorblind, you can say A or B, I guess. Now, 
Do you eat like this or are you like that? But there's no in between. You either, you either are organized or you live a life of chaos. I don't even know what this is. I can't even imagine being this person right here. You have to be, I would have to be starving. And even then, I'd probably break it in half. And so uh, are you A or B? Which one are you? You're either one or the other. All right, let's look at the next one. All right, this one drives me nuts. You either like a thousand notifications or you are inbox zero and have to clear it off. This one, by the way, is borderline sinful. Repentance is sometimes needed if you live this life. My wife, I'm talking to you. Um, this is chaos, but some of you are, are okay with the chaos. So I want you to go ahead. Let me know. Are you A, are you love the chaos or are you inbox zero, or maybe you just turn off your notifications so you don't have to know? But which one are you? Are you A or are you B? All right, we're going to go. I think uh, most of us here, by the way, are B. Is there anyone in studio here that, is, that would be B? Okay, here's the, here's the last one, okay? Now, this one's my favorite, okay? Because you either, in elementary school, think back to elementary school, you're either A or you are B, Okay? Now, I'm going to go ahead and just be honest. B, I am B. If you give me a wooden pencil, it is going to be chewed to the core, okay? In fact, I still, at this moment as I'm talking, I can smell the wooden. I can taste what it's like to bite into a nice, moist wooden pencil. That's just the way that it goes. It's just the way it is. Some of you, though, some of you are right there, and you, you just tuned out of this message because... I said the word moist and pencil together. So stay with me, okay? Stay with me. You either are or you are not. There are just some things that's the way it is. And it's okay if it's a pencil. It's not that big a deal. We can live with either one of these. But here's the thing we need to understand. When it comes to our walk with God, this is a serious issue. This is something that you either are or you are not. There is not a lot of in-between. In fact, sometimes we try to put the in-between. You know what? I love God, but. You know what? I follow Jesus, but. And then we'll qualify why we don't follow Jesus. And so today, before we get to this day of visitation, I really want to call um, to our mind what it means to follow Christ. Because in 1 Peter chapter 2, which is where we're going to spend uh, most of our time today, he starts off with this dichotomy, this either or, these two groups of people. And I just uh, was convicted as we move towards this day of visitation that we need to be clear on where we are in our walk with Christ. So let's start in verse 1. It says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that, it may, that you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So he's beginning to make this, uh, this differential that there are some of you that have tasted that the Lord is good. And there's some of us that have tasted it. And so he says, if that's you, you need to begin living a life that is separate. Now, this is a theme that we are going to talk about a lot in 1 Peter. And it's a theme of holiness. You see, as a Christ follower, you need to understand that holiness is a big deal. We want to be holy. Now, and the best definition of holy, I think, would, is found in, in Ezekiel uh, in chapter 44. Ezekiel says it like this 
in, in verse 23 of the 44th chapter. He says that if you are a, a religious person, if you are a religious teacher, you need to teach people to follow God. You need to teach them either to be holy and not common. And so what he says is holy would be not common. So holy is set apart. So what Peter is saying is that as Christ followers, when you taste that the Lord is good, you want to be set apart. You want to be known for what you are for. And what we are for as Christians, as Christ followers, as followers of Jesus, is we are for holiness. We are for holiness. And there's a lot of us that, that would talk about what we're against, but ultimately we want to be known what we are for. That is why we put away these things, because we want to taste that the Lord is good. He goes on to say, as you come to him. And so there's this process of people who are giving their life, they're following Jesus, they're coming to Jesus. As you come to him, and, they're gonna, and he's going to describe Jesus, Jesus is a living stone rejected by men. Now you might want to circle that word or that phrase rejected by men. It's going to come back to us, rejected by men. That's going to be a theme that we're going to see in this chapter. When you try to live a life that is holy, one of the things you can expect is that people who are living a life that is common, that is, that is not set apart for good, that they're not trying to be known as holy, they're not trying to taste that the Lord is good, they're going to reject those that try to step out and set up, be set apart. And so it says, Jesus was a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, he was chosen and precious. There's that word. We saw it last week. We're going to see it every week. Peter talks about our faith as being precious. He says, you yourselves, he's talking to believers, people that follow Jesus. He says, you yourselves are like living stones are being built up into a spiritual house. Did you know that? You're being built into a spiritual house. You're being built into a temple of God to be a holy priesthood. There we are again, holy. Do you know you're a part of the priesthood? If you grew up Catholic, that may be a foreign concept to you, but ultimately you're going to see in the New Testament, every believer is someone who can, who can go before God and can interact with God because we have Jesus as our intercessor. And so it says that you will be a priest to offer spiritual sacrifice, sacrifices acceptable through, to God through Jesus Christ. Now, when we talk about holiness, one of the things we need to understand is that we're living a life that is a sacrifice. And anytime we talk about holiness, we need to be clear who determines what is holy. You see, it is a, if we're going to offer an acceptable sacrifice to God, then we have to, to recognize that it is God who tells us what is acceptable. It is God who tells us what is holy. We don't get to simply do what we want to do. If my uh, wife wanted to honor me and make a sacrifice for me, and then she, she brought me uh, uh, some mint ice cream, that is not acceptable to me. That is something that she's doing on her own. If she wanted to honor me, if she wanted it to be acceptable to me, she would come to me, ask me, and then she would, she would bring me what I desire. And so when we approach God, we need to understand holiness comes from God. Holiness is a standard given to us from God. And so when we say we're going to live a life of God, a life of holiness, what we're saying is we're going to conform our lives to follow God. Okay, and he's going to sum it up. We're going to skip to verse 9. And I just want to give you this. This is what a Christ follower is. He says, you are a chosen race. You know what color you have to be to, to be loved by God? It says, 
There is that. You're all a chosen race. It doesn't matter if you are black, white, brown, any race that you are, when you follow Christ, you are the chosen race. There is no racism in, uh, in the gospel. He goes on after that. He says, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You know what is God's favorite nation? It doesn't say it's, it's Israel. It says that whenever we are following Christ, we are pursuing holiness, we are a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim uh, of him the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So if we are a Christ follower, we are all of these things. You are a holy nation. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. And you have once lived a life of darkness, but you were called out of it. And you moved out of that darkness and into his light. And so this is what it looks like for us. Once we had not been a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. You see, this first group of people that Peter is addressing, he's talking about what we would sometimes call Christians, but I would even challenge us more than that. Because a Christian is ultimately a follower of Jesus. And when Jesus talked about following him, there are some things that we've learned growing up that we need to unlearn. Some of us uh, have learned things like you can just pray a prayer when you were 10 years old and then you can live a life any way you want. And we've learned that, that we can be kind of a Christian, but we don't have to, to be a part of the body. We don't have to live this royal priesthood. We don't have to live our faith. And I just want to remind us that Jesus never called us to pray a prayer. Jesus called us to follow him. And this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Whenever you look at the language of the New Testament, especially when you look at the words of Christ and how he called people, he went to Matthew, the tax collector, and he said, follow me. Now, it's true he would go to the sinners. He would go to the sinners, but he always called them to follow him. And he would never say, you're okay as you are. He would always challenge them to holiness. In fact, the, in the book of Mark, it starts off in chapter 1, and it tells us what Jesus' main mission was. It says, Jesus came and he was proclaiming, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Those are the two things that Jesus calls us to, to repent and believe. And to Jesus, he never said, just believe. It was always repent and believe because there's this idea that when you really believe something, you are going to follow him. You are going to change your way and pursue God. I think about it this way. Um, I took my car into the shop uh, last week, and because I was going to have to leave it there, I had my oldest son, Clayton, come with me. And I told him, follow me in your truck. And so we're driving, and you know what he didn't do? He didn't say, you know what, Dad, I believe that, uh, that you're going to that place. I'm going to stay home, though. Okay, I'm still going to follow you, but I'm just going to follow you from home. That would make no sense, because when we follow someone, we understand we're going on a destination with them. That's why Jesus said some challenging words for us. I mean, it was uh, no party in the USA where we all just, hey, it's always a party. All day. Jesus said, listen, there's going to be times where there's division. When you go after holiness, he said, sometimes your brother is going to come against you. Brother versus brother sometimes. So there are going to be fathers that disown their children because their children decide to follow Christ. Sometimes the families will be divided because someone decides, I want to follow Jesus. Jesus says, 
there is a narrow road, and few find it, and he challenged us. And when you're walking on a road, understand, if you're not walking on that narrow road, there's only one other road he gives us to walk on. You're either walking on a narrow road towards his destination, or you are walking on a broad path away from him. So when Jesus says repent and believe, he is talking to Christ followers, that is people who are following Christ. I want to look real quick at the second group, and we're going to go back to verse 7. And it says, and again, he's still addressing, he's writing this letter to Christ followers, to the church, but he says this, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So there are some people, he's saying, who has who have rejected Jesus, and they rejected him first because they did not believe. They did not believe that he was the Messiah. And, the, and then it goes on to say, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So all of a sudden, Jesus becomes a rock of offense. Because you, and you know people who are not following Jesus, and they have a bad taste towards Christians because Christians seem to be holier than thou, which is not something we want to portray, but sometimes that's how it comes off. It, Jesus can become a, a, an, off, a, an offense to people. Now look how he categorizes this last group of people, though. He says, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. In other words, he says there are two groups. There are people who are obeying the word, who are following Jesus, who are walking a, a, a path, not a perfect path, but one in which they see Jesus as the cornerstone of their lives and that they are pursuing him, they were being built up. And then there are some who do not believe, he said, and then those that don't believe um, that there are also those, we're going to go back to stay in verse 8. There are some that don't believe and that they disobey the word. Okay, so there's these two groups of people, and, and we resist this sometimes in the church. We resist that you're either a Christian or you're not a Christian, okay? And we don't like sometimes to have a dichotomy that's that clear. And so there's a lot of of times that we'll say things like, you know what, I I followed Jesus a long time ago, or we'll try to give a caveat the same way as I couldn't give you a caveat. You know what, Um, I'm not a raccoon, but that would make no sense, right? It's you either are or you are not. And so Real quick, before we move on from this, I just want to be clear that there are some of us that are even listening to this. You may even be a member of a church or have always thought of yourself as a Christ follower. But when you really look at what it means to follow Christ, are you running to him when you are sinful and struggling? And are you, are you relying on the grace of God to make you clean? Or are you just brushing it off and saying, you know what, no one's perfect. I'm just, it's okay that I'm this way. And you're not pursuing God. When you you think, you know what, I'm just trying to be a good person. I'll let you know, there are no agnostics. That category does not exist. Because if you are an agnostic, you say, you know what, I just don't, I don't know. I'm going to wait and see. What you're saying is, I'm not going to walk the path to follow Jesus. And that's a hard truth for some of us to to grapple with. But ultimately, when we decide to follow Jesus, it is an all-in proposition. It is an either-or. So before I move on, I do want to give you some what-ifs, okay? What if I have a lot of doubt? What if I love Jesus and and I'm trying my best to pursue him? I'm coming to church. I'm, I'm praying. I'm trying to pursue him, but I got a lot of doubt. Well, I got good news for you. You know, we walk by faith, and the opposite of faith, and I've said this before, the opposite of faith is not doubt, 
The opposite of faith is certainty. Every single person who follows Christ has some doubt. Doubt is a normal part of it. Everyone, whether they are walking with Christ or not with Christ, has doubt. Doubt is a part of life. In the chaos we see right now, doubt it is normal. Faith is what you put your faith. It's when you decide, I'm going to walk this path even though I'm not sure if I can do it alone. I'm going to, to need Jesus' help. I'm going to walk this path, and I'm going to trust that Jesus will get me to this destination where I can be in his presence forever. Now, some of you would say this. You know what? I'm a Christian, but I don't read my Bible. I'm a Christian, um, but I don't believe that Jesus is the only way. I'm a Christian, but I don't accept some of the moral laws. I think it's okay if I, if I continue to do this or if someone continues to do this. Um, but, you know, I, I like Jesus. And some of us might even say, you know what, I don't think Jesus would send people to hell. I don't think a, a loving God would send people to hell. And these are big questions. These are tough questions. But I want to challenge you. You see, when we decide to follow Jesus, we are deciding to, to follow a historical teacher who actually taught things. And he, and he said more about hell than almost any other topic. He said a lot about sin. He said that there are a list of sins. And sometimes we get diverted. And, and as Christians, we forget that we're pursuing holiness. And, and we'll look through a list of sins and we'll puff ourselves up because it's, we find one sin. There'll be a list of ten sins. And we'll find the one sin we don't follow. And we're like, oh, look at us. I don't, I'm not that sinner. But we, we forget, as Christ followers, we, we are pursuing holiness, not because we are good, but because he is good. We rely on him. So I just want to remind us that when Jesus called people to follow him, there, were, there was a, a moment in Luke chapter 9 where Jesus says to, to some people who are thinking about following him, he says, hey, come follow me. And the guy says, you know what? I will follow you, but first I'm going to go bury my dad. Another one says, I'll follow you, but first I've got, to, I've got to go take care of some business. And Jesus says, listen, you're either going to follow me, which means you come with me now, or you are not fit, he said, for the kingdom of heaven. You're not fit to follow me. He goes on in Luke chapter 14, he actually says that anytime you're going to make a big decision, a life-changing decision, you need to sit down and weigh the cost. You need to see, is this something that you are, are willing to pay the price for? When we decide to follow Jesus, it's not that we make a one-time decision when we were a kid or at one time, and then we just go about our lives. Instead, it is a lifelong pursuit where we follow him. And Peter is very clear on this. Now, if that's you, by the way, I don't want to scare you. I want to give you hope. There's a day of visitation we're about to get to. But sometimes when somebody decides to follow Jesus on that day, that we mark it with a prayer. And there's a danger sometimes when we mark something with a prayer because the prayer isn't magical. The prayer is just simply marking the day that you decided to follow Jesus. Okay? So let's go on and we'll continue. We're going to go on to the, the big day and we're going to talk now about how we prepare for this day. Because again, Peter knows, he knows that there are people who are going to see this as a stumbling block. So this is what he says. He's talking to those who follow Jesus. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. So in other words, you need to live as if this is not your land. 
And everything that common people do, that people do uh, just as every day, uh, whether it's, it's go after addictions, go after pleasure, go after these things, he says, we're not going to live as if that's our normal. We're living for a different land. And so we're going to wage war on those things. We may, may not be successful. We may have to go back and repent to Jesus, and we may have to just rely on his goodness, which is what we do as Christ followers. But we're not going to stop waging war in all areas of our life on the sin. And we're going to trust that Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God will help us as we wage war. Now, listen to what verse 12 says, though. He's going to go back and, and he's going to talk about how we live our life. And this is what I think we need to remember. This is the word I have for you today. You see, we've gone through all of this just because some of us think you've got to be a good person to go to heaven. You've got to be a good person. That, that's the reason we're trying to be holy is so that we'll be good enough. But that's not the case. You see, what Peter is making the case is that we do it to please God, but he's also saying, remember, there's a day coming for those around you that are far from God. And, and they already see Jesus as a stumbling block. They already see. And look what he says about us. He says, keep your uh, conduct among the Gentiles, and Gentiles, the way he's using it, is non-Jewish people, but also non-Christians and non-believers. He says, keep your conduct honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, this is a big deal. He says, not if, he says, if you are following Christ, there are going to be labels put on you. You are going to be seen as an evil doer. There's no way around it. Jesus himself says you will be rejected and hated by men. That's a part of following Jesus. That's a part of holiness is recognizing there will be some that view you as evil. But look what he says. I mean, you'll, you'll get labeled as intolerant. You'll get labeled with unfair uh, um, with unfair statements because you choose to live a life that is not focused on sin in any area of our life that has sin in it, whether it's a sexual sin, whether it's an addiction, whatever that sin is, when we say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to live like this, people are going to label us as intolerant. People are going to say you're homophobic. People are going to say this, but it's not that we're, we're, we're saying, hey, we, we hate these people. What we're saying is we want holiness in our life. We pursue holiness, and we don't get to choose who decides God chooses. And so this is what Peter says. So understand, some people are going to think your theology is wrong. Some people are going to think your beliefs are, are too old school. But what he says here is a big deal. He says, but they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. In other words, even if you live a life of holiness and people say, you know what, they're so old school, I, I can't believe they still believe these, these from this old book. But every time you're around them, you're building them up and you're, you're drawing them to Jesus and you're serving them. And, and you're not putting expectations on them. We never, we don't want to judge those who are not believers. That's why it's important to know that there are two groups. Outside the church, we never, you never call out somebody's sin if they're not following Jesus. You should always point them to Jesus. But yet what we see right now is all of this online strife and you see the news and it's all about us versus them. And that's when Christians, we get confused sometimes. So here's the big idea for the day. Here's the big idea. It's this. We don't win the argument. We win the person. We don't win arguments. We win people. That's what the heart of God is for. In 2 Peter, he says, you know the reason that it's taking so long for Jesus to return? It's because he loves every person and he desires for all of them to be reconciled with God. We don't need to spend our time in the chaos that we are, are currently fighting, whether it's COVID, quarantines, and all of that. We don't have to be focused on us versus them. 
Instead, we should be focused on living a life of holiness and serving every person that we can. And when we see people who believe different or, or call us evildoers, instead of arguing, instead of getting angry at them, instead of, of hating them, we should love them. And we should draw them to God, not, not by trying to convince them, but simply by loving them so much that they can't deny that we are living for something else. We don't win the argument. We win the person. Saved people serve people is another way we've said it before. We point people not to their sins. We point them to their Savior. He can deal with their sin like he did with us. I am the worst of sinners is what Paul says. And Paul, he, he never wanted to point to those outside the church. He always says, listen, when we deal with those outside, we point them to our Savior. We don't just win arguments. We try to win the hearts of people. So here's where I want us to go with this. If you're a Christ follower, here's my challenge for you. Every person that maybe your, your blood pressure goes up a little bit when you start thinking about them and you get frustrated, maybe their political beliefs, I want to challenge you to envision their day of visitation. I want you to think, if you know what, there's a day in which God's going to reveal himself so clearly to that person, and he's going to, he's going to be so present for them. Are you going to be ready to help them on in that day? Because here's my, my main challenge for us, is did you help them towards their day of visitation? Did you help them? Did what you were posting online and saying about them, did that help them get closer to God? You know, Jesus says very clearly in Mark 9, 42, he says, if anyone causes someone to stumble, he says, it'd be better that a millstone be thrown around your neck and you be thrown into the sea. Listen, it's a serious thing. We need to be spurring people. Uh, if we're in Christ, we should simply be telling people, hey, I was once this way and Jesus changed everything about my life and it's such a great thing. Now, if you find yourself far from God or maybe an unbeliever, maybe you're just wrestling with this and you today you've decided, you know what, I haven't been following Jesus. I don't live as a sojourner. I don't live a life pursuing Jesus. I want to I wanna just give you some hope. Today could be your day of visitation. Today could be the day that you realize that God is revealing himself to you. And this isn't an easy decision. Jesus, again, he says that you need to count the cost. And if you've been living and trying to find pleasure in this life and trying to live a life simply that is comfortable or easy or that makes you feel good at all times, I want to challenge you. Jesus said this. He says, what good is it for you to gain the whole world if you lose your soul. You know, there's another way to live is what Jesus says. And some of us, when we think about our day of visitation, when we think about the day that Jesus grabbed a hold of us, it's not a day that we think, oh man, that's the day I had to quit doing all the fun stuff. Instead, it's the day that Jesus showed us there is a better way. That instead of walking around like a person who's trying to lose weight, but there, there's no scale and there's no standard, some of us walk around wondering if I'm good enough for God. Am I, have I done enough so that on, on the day of judgment when I leave this world, have I done enough? And, and there's a way that you can know. And it's not how good you've been. It's simply how good your Savior is. Today could be the day you decide, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to, to quit living my, my way. I'm going to quit the broad road, and I'm going on the narrow road. I'm going to repent and believe, as Jesus says. So what do we believe? We believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins. He did it willingly. He went there. He lived a perfect life, and he went to the cross so that you and I, everything that we've ever done rebellious to God, he put it on the cross, and he killed it. 
And then three days later, he rose again. And when he rose again, it showed us that he was who he said he was. He is who he said he is. He is the risen Savior. So I want to challenge you, if that's you and you know you want to follow Jesus, reach out to someone who's a believer. You can reach out to me through email or call the church. You can right now say, hey, I want to follow Jesus in the comments, and we'll find you. But I'm telling you, in all of the chaos, all of the things we're trying to live right now, the number one thing that we need to be doing is understanding that Jesus loves us and he wants to meet with us. So for those of us that are far, that are close to God, live every day with hope, knowing that your job is simply to exude, to, to, to show Jesus in the way that you live your holy life. And if you're far from God, today could be your day. Simply call in the name of Jesus and make that decision. I'm going to follow him. Let me pray for you, Connection Point Church. Lord, I pray for those that hear this message, and maybe you're challenged. Lord, maybe their heart is unsettled. Lord, instead of feeling as if they're not worthy and being discouraged, Lord, I pray that they'll see your goodness. If you love them so much, you will go to any length to make sure that they know they are loved. You'll either wipe their slate clean, and all we've got to do is follow Jesus. Lord, there's no better offer than to live a life knowing at the end of the day, you know what, I was pleasing to God, not because I'm good, but because he is good. So, Lord, if those that are convicted right now, I pray that you'll just open their hearts to you. You'll reveal yourself, and this could be their day of visitation. And for those that are in Christ, that those are followers of Jesus, Lord, today I pray that instead of living a life of ups and downs, wondering what the world is going to do next that's crazy, I pray that we'll fix our eyes on you and realize there is a world of people who don't know you. And my, my main role in this world is to show them the path that you have shown us. Lord, I pray that we will live lives that glorify you to a degree in which people see, uh, see us as representatives of you. Lord, I pray that we will no longer be known for what we are against, but instead people will look at us and simply say, those are people trying to follow Jesus, and I love the way they serve me. Lord, we pray that you will change the heart of this nation by drawing them to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.